Welcome to another episode of Rewired Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Kelly. And today, for episode nine, we're talking about would cereal be cereal without the wire? Yep, and I think we all know that the cultural phenomenon of cereal uh, was a really big moment. Definitely, and it's timely right now because cereal is releasing not season three of cereal, but a new podcast called S-Town. I didn't know that. Yeah, on the 28th of March, they're releasing that. So that's just a couple of days away from you guys listening to this now. Uh, And I think, well, we've got a lot to dig into. So let's get started with all the commonalities between cereal and The Wire. So I guess before we actually dig into the commonalities, we should talk about what cereal is for folks who haven't listened to it. Right. So spoilers for cereal season one if you haven't listened to it yet. Definitely. Um, so it's basically the story of Hey Min Lee, who was a teenage girl who was, her body was found murdered in, in Baltimore County. And her boyfriend, Adnan Syed, was ultimately arrested, tried, and convicted of her murder. Yes, although there were lots of inconsistencies in the case, some of the evidence didn't really seem to make much sense. Um, but it was kind of pushed quickly through the system, and he ended up in prison. Right. So Serial is a spin-off of This American Life, and uh, ultimately kind of went viral in a way. It became like the most downloaded podcast. Mm-hmm. It had a huge following. People were talking about it on Twitter, message boards, just having all these theories about did Adnan kill Heyman Lee, or if he didn't do it, who did? Exactly. Um, so yeah, it kind of brought podcasts out from this like hipster NPR cerebral crowd into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a moment for sure. It was a moment. Before that, podcasts were kind of a niche medium for people to listen to, and then all of a sudden, it was like water cooler talk for right. everybody. So today we ask the question: Would cereal have been this viral hit? This moment? if not for The Wire's cult following. Yeah. One commonality in terms of format is that they are serialized week to week, um, which is where Serial, the podcast, gets its name from, is that it's telling one chapter of a story every week. And what's kind of interesting is we've talked about how The Wire pays homage to Dickens, and that was a tradition that he used, was publishing a chapter or a section of a novel um, one month to the next in something like a magazine or another periodical. So Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so both The Wire and Serial are drawing on that tradition, which obviously hooks your listener or your viewer into coming back for more. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I guess I thought podcast and Serial in particular was almost like a throwback to like, you know how they used to do fictionalized radio dramas before there was television? Mm-hmm. But it goes back even further than that. Yeah. The tradition of it does go serialized dramas. Interesting. Uh, obviously, another huge commonality is Baltimore. The Wire takes place in Baltimore. Heyman Lee was killed in Baltimore. And there's one specific location that pops up in both stories, and that is Leakin Park. Um, it's where Heyman Lee's body was found, and... In Baltimore, it's notorious for being a site where either violent crime takes place or where bodies are disposed. And in season four of The Wire, when nobody can find the the bodies that um, Chris and Marlowe and all of them are taking out, Freeman and Bunk 
check out Leakin Park to see if that might be where. So let's listen to that clip. Remember when I was cadet, I was up here on a cadaver search. Instructor gets on the radio to say, we're looking for one body in particular. <laughs> if you go grabbing everyone you see, we'll be here all day, he said. <laughs> it's Leakin Park, where West Baltimore brings out his dead. Not anymore from the look of things. Not by the roadside, anyway. If he's dumping them here, he's dumping them deep in the woods. So where Baltimore brings out its dead, Leakin Park. Mm-hmm. And in The Wire, Leakin Park ends up not really playing that big of a role because mm -hmm. the bodies aren't there. But it's kind of interesting to see that it, it comes up. It's well known, obviously, in both Serial and The Wire that this is a site for murders. Definitely. Another really interesting, in my mind, similarity between The Wire and Serial and this is serial season one only, not season two, they're unrelated, um, is the time period that it happens. So the technology, I think in both cases, it would have been totally different if it happened now because the technology has made it as such, like there was no text messages, for example. Right, so Heyman Lee's body was discovered in 1999, early 1999. The Wire takes place in 2001-ish is when it starts. Um, and so what's key about that period is that cell phones are becoming more common, but they don't have text messaging. They don't have very sophisticated uh, GPS or location mapping. So in the serial case, there's a lot of weight given to the, the pings off the cell phone towers. But mm -hmm. as serial progresses, we learn that that's really not that reliable. And I think if you fast forward Heyman Lee's case by even just five years, it mm -hmm. would have been totally different. Definitely, and I mean like Hay and um, Adnan both had really strict parents. They weren't allowed to date, so they had figured out a way to sort of hack three-way calling so that they could talk late at night without their parents knowing, um, which I think, you know, again, that those are just histories of conversations that aren't recorded, whereas now if you wanted to know how a ex-boyfriend and girlfriend interacted, you could probably just check their Facebook Messenger or their text message history or, you know, I think there's a lot more electronic evidence now about how we communicate. There is, and there's a lot more written down, whereas in Adnan's case, he was making phone calls to all of his friends back and forth, you know, maybe 25 or 30 calls in a day just to mm -hmm. make short plans with people. Now that would all be done by text message. And similarly, in... The Wire, especially mm -hmm. in season one, you know, we see these really short calls oftentimes made from a payphone, mm -hmm. and a payphone becomes key in serial season one as well. So, yes, a lot of technological crossover um, that add to how the plots of both The Wire and Serial happen to move forward. Right. Like in, in um, season one of The Wire, where they, when they kill Brandon, McNulty looks at the wiretap or the phone tap records and is like, this is the murder, this is it right here, but they don't actually have the tap set up at that point. They just have sort of the mirroring of the phones. Um, and then same thing in Serial Season 1. Sarah Koenig is quite convinced that this Best Buy payphone and Best Buy parking lot 
can basically like crack the case. But then there's like questions about whether Best Buy even had a payphone at that time. And anyway, it, it's really it's interesting. And I think yeah, they not, none of these stories would even really be mysteri- mysterious if it happened now. Yeah. Well, in the payphone thing, I mean. First of all, no Best Buy now would have a payphone. But if it did have a payphone, we would know it because there would probably be, you know, selfies taken in front of the payphone or, like, it would be in the background of something or, yeah. you know, there would just be a lot more trails of this technology that is right. a key part of You the could, case. like, Google Street that address and you could just look yeah, right now and, and see if the payphone is there. Um, so anyway, so that's the technology. The, another huge commonality between The Wire and Serial is, of course, the uh, like just complete inability to function of the Baltimore police. Yeah, and that is the huge turning point for the Adnan case and the Heyman Lee case is that as the story unravels and Sarah Koenig kind of digs even deeper into all these documents is we see how badly mishandled the investigation was. Right. And if you are a huge serial fan, then there's, of course, the secondary podcast Undisclosed by Radia Choudhury, who is the woman who brought Adnan's case to Sarah Koenig and basically gave her the tip. And that's a legal discussion purely about how the Baltimore police handled Adnan's case. And it's it's crazy. I mean, when you think about serial, just uh, serial definitely points out some of the flaws of the Baltimore police system. But when you really get into undisclosed, you realize there was like some some pretty shady, behavior. yeah, unsavory work by the Baltimore police. So why don't you give the example of the tapping? Right. So if you listen to undisclosed, um, one of the most important pieces of evidence against Adnan was this testimony of his friend Jay. Mm-hmm. And Jay, when he was giving his story to the police, was, if you listen into the tape, um, it's pointed out that you can hear it tapping every mm-hmm. so often. Mm-hmm. And Ravia and her colleagues that discuss it, they hypothesize that it's the police are tapping every time Jay makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because the interview is not video, like not visually recorded, it's just audio recorded. Mm-hmm. Another tech Another thing. tech failure. Um, and so every time there's a tapping, it's the police saying to Jay, like, you've messed up, like mm-hmm. you have to change your story. And he does, and then he self-corrects and says, oh no, I meant like this street, not that street, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, and so there, and there's a lot of examples like that in Undisclosed. So it's kind of frightening. But what we know from The Wire is that the pressure on the police department is enormous to, you know, clear, clear cases. And yeah. so they juke the stats or they do whatever else they might need in order to, you know, clear murders. Yeah. Just like in The, in the Wire, that quote, turning, turning rapes into robberies and... I can't remember the second part of the quote, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely. So this is a good time, I think, then to dig into, as Sarah Koenig, I think, called episode seven of Serial, the deal with Jay. Yeah, the deal with Jay, because Jay, it's confusing when you listen to the story of Heyman Lee and Adnan, that Jay would seem to turn on his best friend and give him up by telling this elaborate story, or... Um, did Jay have something to do with Heyman Lee's death? We really don't know what's going on with Jay. Right. Well, and I think a lot of people assumed that 
you know, Adnan and Jay must have been involved in the murder in some capacity because Jay has all these details about the crime that he ultimately snitches on Adnan for. But when we, of course, learned and undisclosed about this tapping theory, that blows everything out of the water. If you don't believe that Jay actually knew all those things, then you would have no reason to think that Jay and Adnan had anything to do with Hayes' murder. And one of the other supposed um, points against Jay, why he must have had something to do with it, was that he knew where Hay Minley's car was. But what's, you know, after you listen to Undisclosed, and then especially having watched The Wire, I feel like we know that there's a lot more kind of like street level knowledge of what's going on in the community that, you know, for instance, everybody knows who Omar is, and everybody knows mm-hmm. that Omar is gonna, you know, he's the stick up boy. Right. And or like when Marlo's putting the bodies in the ba- vacants, and then yeah. they're like, how do you know that? And, and they're like, like, everybody, everybody knows. knows. Yeah. So I'm not that convinced by the fact that Jay knows where, knows where the car is, because if there's some, you know, relatively nice looking Honda or something in some parking lot, it's like, okay, well, probably a lot of people know where that car is or have seen it or maybe they walked by it, something like that. Yeah, and from The Wire, we also learn about this culture of snitching and how dangerous it is to be a snitch. Yeah, so dangerous. We see people like Bodie gets got for being a snitch. Mm-hmm. Um, D'Angelo gets killed because he might snitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes up again and again in The Wire. Yeah, and so... Yeah, I think obviously we kind of wonder, did Jay make a deal with the police? And, you know, he's the one that's supposed to be like the bad boy or whatever of the group, right? He's a drug dealer and all this stuff. So, you know, what did the Baltimore police have to offer him to get him to take this deal to snitch for them? And and now knowing, you know, in real life how shady the Baltimore police department has acted in the past, you know, who knows what they threatened him with or... You know. Well, that's the other thing is maybe this was just a straight up intimidation, like a coerced uh, sort of story from Jay mm-hmm. that he felt he had no choice but to just, you know, make something up or um, it, elaborate on some details that he might have known about where the car was. Exactly. Well, yeah, knowing even now the po- the experience of young black men in particular with large city police departments and how dangerous that relationship is too you know it's it's not hard to imagine that he could have felt extreme pressure to succumb yeah extreme pressure or you know maybe roughed up in some way just kind of a like a go along to get along um just get it over with and get out Exactly. Well, and it should, I guess, be noted that Jay has since done an interview with The Intercept online and says that Serial ruined his life. Like, he was, like, living a life just as a normal man up until Serial came. And Sarah Koenig kind of paints him as the alternate murderer. Yeah, Jay does not come out looking good in Serial. Yeah, so, anyway... Sorry, Jay, that we had to drag you into this again. <laughs> in this moment that Serial has, right, they, Serial definitely paved the way, certainly for podcasts to become really popular, but it also, I think, sort of reinvigorated this fascination with true crime that we have as a culture. Because then, you know, following up on Serial, we see Netflix's smash hit, Making a Murderer. Yep. Which, again, was all about possible police manipulation of you know a, a person who gets taken advantage of I think in making a murderer you can make a pretty good argument that the police 
were manipulating and, you know, doing all these shady tactics to make people make false confessions. Mm-hmm. And there were, yeah, there's other podcasts that have kind of followed in a similar vein. Like, for instance, Generation Y mm-hmm. is another podcast, very popular, that talks about um, true crime stories that may have been investigated well or mostly not investigated well. And yeah. there's a, a real fascination with it. Yeah, the, the Generation Y John Benet Ramsey podcast is a really interesting one. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of podcasts on the Long Island serial killer. So I think, yeah. And like, like Natalie Holloway. Yeah, and- all these sort of unsolved cases that have really gripped the society. Yeah. What is interesting to me, and this isn't my own idea, I saw this tweeted out by some feminists online, um, when people were talking about how amazing Serial was, there was there was this kind of forgotten element that, hey, Min Lee was a real girl, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't, it's not a fictionalized episode of The Wire. It, it was, you know, Hay's family wasn't down to have this happen. Um, they weren't involved in the podcast at all. Sarah Koenig went ahead with it. And then this, you know, it's like Team Adnan, Team Jay. And, you know, people forgot that there was actually like a, a dead woman at the center of this. And same thing with making a murderer. People were so worried about the injustice uh, and the police that they forget that there's actually like a woman's body at the center of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really sad. I, I, I admit that I kind of forget about that sometimes too. Yeah. I think that's why maybe it's a little easier um, to lose ourselves in the wire. I mean, it's mm-hmm. fiction, but there's, you know, an element of believability to it. Definitely. it's It feels like you're watching a real crime without actually... <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's dealing with subject matter that is truly happening. Baltimore mm-hmm. youth are in, in... But as upset as I am about Frank Sablanca, at least I know that's not a real person. One reason I think why Serial was so popular after The Wire is because The Wire made us mistrust Baltimore police. And that is the crux of the Sarah Koenig case, her hypothesis that it was wrongful conviction. Right. Yeah, I mean, if people were just sort of having blind faith in the way that police departments were handling things, I don't think Serial would float, really. Like, people people would just shut it down because they wouldn't, they wouldn't, believe that the police could have done something wrong or made a mistake. Yeah, but after The Wire, we see that every institution has its sort of flawed people that are um, just in it for themselves in some way. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's why season two of Serial was not very successful. Yeah, I gave it a chance. I listened to a few episodes and then I just stopped listening. I don't know, it just didn't have the same appeal for some reason. Yeah, I listened to the whole thing, um, but it was hard to listen to because it was hard to understand because it was about a military case, Bo Bergdahl. And I think military stuff is still very much like behind the Emerald Curtain or whatever. Like it's it's shrouded in a lot of protocols that the civilian public doesn't understand. Exactly. Doesn't know anything about Um, It's kind of impenetrable in terms of how much she can know was going on there. Yeah, and I think Sarah Koenig definitely did a good job of, you know, telling the story. And I think she tried really hard to make it really accessible. But there was almost so many asides where she had to explain, like, what a dust one was and, like, the various protocols. And 
the interviews that she does with the soldiers, like they're telling her all this stuff and they're acting like she should know exactly what they're talking about. But like, if you aren't in the military, if you're not very close with someone in the military, I think it was just a really sort of impenetrable discussion, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, the case of Heyman Lee, it's so much more accessible to the listener. We're talking about a bunch of high school kids. Yeah. Um, the the level of, of background knowledge you need to have is, is low. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about prom and mm-hmm. parents' rules and three-way calling and, and then the Baltimore police, which, as you said, The Wire really did prime us to believe that there could have been a huge mistake here. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would have been the same if... Like, so The Wire was about the Baltimore police. If Heyman Lee had been killed in Detroit, could we have believed the same of the Detroit police that The Wire sets us up to believe about the Baltimore police? Or is it just that because it was Baltimore, it was just so easy to believe? I mean, I think we could have believed it, but I think we... The Wire left us, for the most part, wanting more. And Serial, in a way, took us back to Baltimore, and we wanted to go back to Baltimore and know more about Baltimore. Yeah, that's totally true. It felt like season six. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our primer on Serial versus The Wire. I think, yeah, ultimately we could say that Serial probably wouldn't have been Serial without The Wire. I don't think Serial would have been Serial without The Wire. I don't even think Breaking Bad would be Breaking Bad without The Wire. I think The Wire was a precursor to a lot of these major cultural moments that everyone engaged with. Right, we kind of use it as a touchstone for which we can compare all these other viral phenomena. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we want to hear what you think. Would Serial have been Serial without The Wire? You can tweet us at Rewired Podcast. Or you can email us, podcast.rewired at gmail.com. And if you loved season two of Serial, tell us that as well. Maybe we're wrong. Totally. And are you, are you pumped for S-Town? Yeah. They've gone back. It's another murder mystery, so they've gone back to their roots. We'll be listening to that too. So uh, definitely would be up for hearing your thoughts on that. As always, thank you so much for the emails this week. We got some awesome ones um, from those of you that we've been talking to on Twitter. So we will write you back. We're super, we're just always excited to get your thoughts. All right, we'll see you next week. Way down in the hole. This episode was written, hosted, edited, and produced by Bailey Reed and Kelly Reed. We use the Opinion app to do that. And our theme music is by Flo Florg. It's a remix of Tom Waits' Way Down in the Hole, and you can find that on SoundCloud.